Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Found financial food for thought. You got Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell. And Carrie, you sometimes feel like your dollar's been torn in half. Yeah, but I'm, I, I always find ways to save. I'm pretty frugal. Welcome to Inflation <laughs> Nation. You know, we're taping the show on Friday, and we're still all waiting for the Supreme Court. To make a decision on the, on the student loan right. debt forgiveness, I kept, I kept looking this weekend, earlier this week, like okay, we're mid June. Next week's the last week in June, and that's when they end typically end. And so the question is, are you know we going to have a SCOTUS decision recession? Hmm, I don't know if that alone is going to make a recession. A lot of people believe that that'll be the straw that breaks the camel's back, mm-hmm. meaning that if the Supreme Court, which most people believe they will not allow Biden to do that, right? that'll need congressional action to do something like that. Because that'll be a whole issue if they do say it's Well, over. right now, it, the, plan, or the, the plan is September 1st, interest starts accruing again. Right. And October 1st, payments need to be begin again. Right. So the idea is, if that happens, that is going to take out so much other discretionary spending by the student loan borrowers that it's going to crash the economy. Mm, I disagree, but I don't think that alone will do it. And I still think they should go back to the colleges for overcharging and have oh. them have some skin in the game. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. Oh, they, <laughs> they should pay for half of this, right? A, you know, but I don't think this. I, I don't know. Now, Carrie, you got word or saw things that saying the SCOTUS could kick the can down the road. Yeah, it's saying typically they should make a decision by end of June. But I was reading an article that said in complicated cases they could delay their. There's nothing that says they have to make a determination by the end of June. It's just typically what they've done and if it's a more complicated matter, they may 
delay their decision, which wouldn't surprise me. Because you know you got the holiday weekend next week. Then we got July 4th coming up the week after. So you think they might want to... They probably want to go home because you know how hard our people work for us. Of course, yeah. (laughs) Um, So so that's what everybody's concerned. And the Federal Reserve, you know, with their Hawkward skip, you know, last time, they've got a big question mark on what they're going to do. So are we going to have, you know, the most anticipated recession ever, Carrie? I've been calling it the Thanksgiving recession. Um, you know, the, the idea of uh, now some people are saying, well, look at it's a no-show recession. I mean, the market's still what? The, year to date, the S&P's up what? 13 14%? Um, you know, it's it's a bull market run. You know, since October low, it's up over twenty percent. Don't uh, we keep the saying, Nasdaq's over thirty percent? But don't we keep game. saying this is the longest anticipated recession? Remember well, last year, it was what's going to happen? The, it's gonna yeah, the recession. Remember, Biden oh, was blaming it on Putin. Um, you know, and and I, I, that's why there's some people are calling it the no-show recession. Some people think it's the cardboard box recession. Okay, what does that mean? That's yep. a new one. Okay. Um, the U.S. is in a cardboard box recession. Does that mean it's going to be so bad we're all going to live in cardboard boxes? And it could, no, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good guess. And it could mean the economy will see a sharp drop in inflation by the end of the year. This is according to Charles Schwab's chief global investment strategist, Jeffrey Kleintop. Um, and he's he's quoting a, a, the Fiber Box Association um, that said that that there's a the drop in cardboard box demand, right? Is an inflation indicator, meaning that people are stop ordering goods. Okay. So the people that ship the goods stop ordering cardboard boxes, or have they gotten better? Like Amazon, I don't know about you, Mark. When I order a damn, I get them in a like plastic or the original well, thing with a sticker now. I get less boxes from Amazon than I do. I, well, Maybe it's repackaging. Um, so, you know, that so they're saying we're already in the cardboard box recession, which could bring on a weaker job market and more earnings pressure for corporations. So I don't know, it, you know, but we'll talk today about inflation. We'll talk today about are you concerned with recessions? Gary, why don't you get us started? All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 a.m. between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information, financial news, and make you aware of issues, opportunities, potential problems, and talk about, yes, the headlines. But what comes down to is how does it affect you? Should you be worried? Should you be making some other decisions? Should you be doing something different or are you not taking action or doing things that maybe you could because you don't know where your financial life is headed in the long run. A lot of people can keep track of financial number in their head for the next couple of years or know you're going to be okay, but it's the long run that people are worried about running out of money. And that can be true regardless of a state size. And it's, do you know where you're headed and what opportunities? Um, are you worried about government spending and inflation in this potential recession? And are you being proactive so that you're creating income tax efficiently as possible? Are you worried, even though the market's been well, are you worried about a 
market downturn? And are you taking more risk than needed? Um, these are all the things that we can address through our planning process at the estate planning team who uh, sponsors the show. And the estate planning team has helped people now more than 36 years. We're an affordable fee-based fiduciary planning firm that does traditional financial modeling, number crunching, objective and biased analysis with all areas of your financial life. We help people through different stages, whether you're working and thinking about retirement in retirement, helping people create, you know, what the ideal passage to their heirs and looking at um, coordinating with attorneys for that piece of it. Um, and a lot of times, whether you're single, married, divorced, widowed, you know, we've seen it blended families, we've seen it before. So you can take advantage of a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation to see if we can help. We can do those by phone or in person. You can call 440-239-2090, leave a message, we'll call you back, or you can go to our website, financialfoodforthought.com and send an email there as well. And, um, the free consultation, we actually run preliminary analysis. And I think the different picture than a uh, Monte Carlo, it really shows you where you're headed. We, a lot of people have IRAs. And now with the Secure Act 2.0, you don't have to take RMDs till much later. So there's a window of opportunity that people aren't aware of that they could pull money from their tax qualified assets, IRAs, company plans, Roth conversions. Sometimes that people aren't using a strategy. We look and say they were in a zero bracket. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago that they're not they haven't been using um so you know it shows you a lot of things and shows us how we can help you and whether an hourly or comprehensive retainer i mean we can help people through the implementate or analysis recommendations and implementation we coordinate with other advisors we're fine talking to your cpa your enrolled agent your investment advisor what we do is very different mark you do that all the time get someone's investment advisor on the phone in a three-way conversation and saying this is what we're trying to accomplish Accomplish. And we find the investment advisors is re- are, are appreciative of what we do because it is different and it brings added value and helps them do a better job on their end too. Yeah, Karen, and, and that's what we've been doing at the same time. I mean, quite frankly, stocks bore me. I, I mean, I, I'm not interested in stocks picking stocks mm-hmm. or, or the whole idea of it. I, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for right me. i i like running financial models right and and sometimes i think it's the same thing with the investment advisors they really like the they're, they're the ones that really lo- love to look at the stocks and the bonds and the mutual mm-hmm. funds and what they don't like to do is detailed modeling analysis right, or cash flow they planning don't, they, don't or, the, they don't have the patience for and it. you know we have clients that like to do the investments on their own too and we don't care do it on your own have someone else it doesn't matter yeah i mean there, there's people that, that turn to run around and say why do i need an investment advisor i was i'll just buy i'm just going to buy the the index and I'll be fine. Or they and, keep their company plan and that's the bulk of their assets. But what they don't, but they're all, those groups are not running their own. They've never run a financial model knowing how to, you know, incorporate in inflation rates and, and ways in IRA distribution planning and, and, you, you know, RMD, you know, getting ready for RMDs or building in a new home scenario or, or you know, what we're talking about today is, uh, you know, I'm mentioning the student loan debt. I don't know how many listeners have their own student loan debt. But how many listeners may have to help their children out with their student loans mm-hmm. that may affect your retirement plan? Could that, you know, and so Americans have 1.6, almost 1.64 trillion in federal student loan debt. Wow. 43.8 million borrowers. Um, so 26 million. <laughs> 
26 million got approval for the Biden's debt forgiveness. Wow. I mean, talking about letting the genie out of the bottle. So they either got 10,000 or 20,000. Well, they they got approved for it. Right. No, but I'm saying it's either a $10,000 benefit or the Pell Grant, I believe, got 20. 20, yeah. And they they have to have. That's per person. And there's an income cap of 125,000. Right. Okay. Um, So if you're over that, you're not getting anything back. but the but the idea is how much pain and how, and again it's another example of the wealth gap in this country mm-hmm. that's only widening right for the last 40 years um and there's nothing that's turning that ship around on a dime um and so so a lot of people you know a lot of people think well some aren't these aren't these people aren't these young people you know bringing in 100 200,000 dollars salary and a lot are right but a lot aren't. A lot aren't. Right. Okay. Um, so here's uh, Michael Cheney, a 56-year-old truck driver in Ohio. Okay. This was out of an article, a national article. They picked him up. Um, has a student debt from a retaining program through the Ohio Bureau of Vocational Rehabilitation that went into, that he, you know, he went into after getting injured on a job while working in a foundry in the late 1990s. So here, here's somebody carries got a good you know union job in a foundry gets hurt can no longer do that job he needs to be retrained right he has no money to go back to school right so he takes out the loan all right um, I had to take out student loans to help pay for the schooling or else they wouldn't help me said Cheney um, he said his student debt increased due to having to repeat some math classes even after Cheney filed for bankruptcy in 2009 after getting divorced his student don't his student loan debt wasn't able to be discharged um, he worked in in uh, after you know he worked in IT after finishing school then he switched back to truck driving to be able to work more hours there's no way I can pay for it They've got it set up so you can never pay it off, said right. Cheney, who still owns around $60,000 in student loans. I keep making four or $500 a month payments. None of the principal goes down. I worked all my life. Have done, and I don't have nothing. I, I work six days a week, 12 hours a day in the steel mill before I got hurt. We're barely staying alive. I can't keep up. I can't pay it. So we'll see. We'll see how the Supreme Court deals with this. We'll see. And now, what's what's President Biden's plan B? Right. If the Supreme Court, um, you think he really has a plan? You mean his people? <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, it'll be, you know, what they'll they'll deal with the, um, you know, the income you know, where they look at your income, right? The the income-driven repayment plan, they call it, Carrie, right? That's where, right. you know, what they say is that no student loan borrower would have to pay more than a certain percentage of what they deem to be discretionary income. I think currently it's like 10%, but don't quote right. me on that. But at I the think same it, time, if you're paying that, you're only paying interest and you're never making progress on the principal. I mean, well, I think they need to at some point. Well, that's the plan B. Okay. The plan B would be if you maintain that for a certain amount of years, then the balance of the debt is forgiven, similar to the public service right. forgiveness plan. Maybe they need to do that for everybody. Well, that's the plan B. Right. But I'm just saying, even then, I don't think that's an ideal plan. Um, so we'll see that, but you know, so last week, Carrie, you, you were on holiday, right? So, yeah. so I started talking about, um, if inflation, so, you know, inflation nation 
So even though all the indices indicate that inflation has peaked, a lot of people don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so so I was saying as well, this is why, you know, you don't ask your neighbor how inflation is affecting them. You know, we can, this is what we do for our clients. We we can run various scenarios, financial planning scenarios, based on different levels of inflation. Mm-hmm. Kind of a back to like our plan R or worst case recession plan where you're saying, okay, I don't believe that, histor- you know, we've been historically, uh, you know, 3% inflation or whatever you thought you were running your plan A a few years ago. Most of our clients were somewhere between three and a half to 5%, Carrie, right? That they right. were running their inflation, right? And, and that was, a gr- that was conservative because for 20 years, inflation was two, you know? Right. Um, so, so they were always ahead of plan until, you know, 2022. Um, but now, but so we've, you know, we've adjusted that. But, but the idea is, um, if you, if you want to do this yourself on your own, kind of like the, you know, back of the envelope calculation, you, all you would need to do is modify, you know, Bill Benjamin's 4% rule. And, and I, I, so last week I said I'd come back and, and, and give you some how you would do that. Um, so I want to do that too, but, but Carrie, you're mentioning inflation. So what are some other tips? So there's a lot of tips out there now for dealing with inflation. How about grocery store tips, Carrie? So Carrie, have you done any of these? Because you had mentioned something about... I love Aldi's and Mark's, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, but I loved them before then. Right. So have you done any of these to, okay. to save at the grocery store? Okay. So you've heard, of course, everyone's heard, don't go to the grocery store hungry. Have you heard of that tip before? Yeah, I've heard that. I go to the grocery store when there's nothing else in the lake. Well, then I'm, you're hungry. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm like, there's no food, and I have my teenage son like, Mom. Yeah, that's when you're not supposed to go to the grocery store. Well, it's here. not even that. It's just like there's nothing left. It makes it Okay, so they say that don't go to the grocery store hungry. Kids would just tend to pick up anything that, you know, go as, you right. know, eat Unless before you Unless you have go. the discipline, right. Well, it, it, discipline, it always comes back to that. Okay, do you prepare a list? When you go to the grocery store, no, I have a mental list. I've never, I've never made a list in my life. <laughs> Carrie, you're failing this test. I yeah. think. All right, so you're supposed to prepare a list, and more importantly, you're supposed to stick to it. Yeah, but I think. It, well, see, I don't look at ads, so if I see stuff on sale, then oh, well, that's coming it. up. Oh, you you do okay. that one, okay? So oh, yeah. So, but the, having a, a a list and sticking to it prevents the impulse shopping. You know, that but you, I, yeah, I don't pre-plan meals, so I don't know. I'm always looking like, oh, what do I have to cook next? Okay. Like, so the only deviation that you would go from your list if you see an item on sale, okay, which is a whole nother plan too. Is some people would say just go what's on, what's on sale that week, only is, buy sale items. Well, I always do. Majority of my purchases are like good deals. Okay, um, another you know tips for saving. At the grocery store with this runaway inflation, uh, do you step down from name brands to generic brand names? Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Now, some things aren't as good, but if I've found a generic works, tastes no different. So is like all these generic for Whole Foods? I don't know. All these stuff, I, I mean, I found this pretty good. But I yeah, I do all these, like my son likes those fruit cups or whatever. You can grab them and go. I get all these fruit cups. I don't like versus Del Monte or Dole. Unless Dole's on sale, but I've right. always done that before. I mean, okay. so yeah. Yeah, now, I certainly look as Aldi's as a, a, a cheaper alternative than Whole Foods. 
Oh yeah, I I I said I I loved all these before inflation. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I at all these every week. All right, um, one more maybe. Um, how about the transitory diet plan? Meaning that save calories while you're saving money. Right. You know, you know, skip the Oreos and buy green vegetables. Right. Um, and lose weight at the same time you're saving money. So that is another plan because right. if you cut out, if if you reduce the calorie intake, right, you reduce it's because you're cutting out sugar, you're cutting out bread, you're cutting out right. P- people with kids, like I have a teenage boy that's grown. There's no way I'm going to cut out calories for him. I mean, I don't buy a lot of junk anyway anymore. But how do you cut like for kids? You're not going to be able to cut that. In all fairness, too, some of the fresh produce is more expensive than canned stuff, and I know it's healthier. Well, or the fruit's like, expensive. I don't know if the green vegetables. No, the green vegetables aren't, aren't too bad. Because nobody eats them. Nobody wants them. Uh, fresh broccoli and Brussels sprouts. Uh, yeah. Roasted. Um, <laughs> with lots of uh, marinade on it and, no, <laughs> and bacon. Some, and, whoop, some. there go the calories. No, I just smell like garlic, salt, and pepper. All right. Um, so there's some tips. So well, let's say you're not going to um, reduce your lifestyle at the grocery store, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, how can you then... Quickly determine, well, you know, I, I want to know, Mark, am I still going to be okay? So we've always talked about the 4% rule. And for those new listeners or have not heard of the 4% rule, if you've got nothing better to do this weekend, just go ahead and Google the 4% rule and you'll see uh, it goes back to 1994 and you'll see decades and decades of material about the 4% rule. But Mark, I see articles all the time, the 4% rule's broken. And I'm like, no, we've talked on this show. Right. The math isn't broken. Right. And one you plus one is still two. Thought, right. um, it's just modifying for what is happening in this year as opposed to 1994. Um, so it, it basically William Benjamin's model that said, you know, his scenario, you, you retire with a million dollars in your NASA. Because remember, that was the magic number, Carrie, for the longest time. Right. What's the new magic number, Carrie? Do you know? No. Okay. So Northwestern Mutual says the new magic number is 1270000 Okay. Um, so, you know, and how do they come up with that? Who knows? That's because it's the magic number. Um, it's just what most Americans say, but it's interesting for those who have already accumulated a million dollars in investable assets, their magic number is larger. Mm-hmm. It's $3 million. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you could take whatever that's worth. Uh, again, we say, let's, Let's not worry about the averages, what people think the magic number is. Maybe you ought to calculate this your own for yourself. Because you know what? Um, Everybody's spending might be different. Everybody's income might be different needs. And if you believe in hyperinflation, so I did that last week, Carrie, too. You know, I was, I was talking about how the dollar store went to a dollar twenty-five, right? Right. Um, but if you were under a hyperinflation, now we don't see too many articles about hyperinflation. Has everybody got over that? That yeah, the U.S. is not going to have hyperinflation. Did it first, and then you were talking about Hungary and like. Well, I mean, it was just not. It's not hyperinflation, right? I mean, and and I was talking about that a little last week. So the technical dif- definition w- w- globally is kind of uh, hyperinflation is when you have fifty percent price increases monthly, not mm-hmm. annually monthly right compounded so using that scenario for 12 months carrie if we had hyperinflation for one year the dollar store would no longer being a dollar it'd be the 130 dollars yeah store. that's 
you um, think that's really going to Or happen? if you're your magic number of a million with hyperinflation, one year later, you would need 130 million. Mm. That's, you know, that's why we don't talk about hyperinflation at the estate planning team. Uh, but we can't talk about uh, stickier or higher inflation than what we've been living with for the last 20 years. Okay. And we're still kind of waiting. Um, like I said, the, the hawkward move by the Federal Reserve saying they're skipping uh, you know, June, but they are going to continue to raise rates. Everybody on Wall Street's confused. Um, but the Benjamin's rule was saying that you start with a million dollars and you want it lasting 30 years, meaning by the end of the 30 years, your million dollars would be zero. You're spending the last hour and the last day. And you assume a 5% in, uh, rate of return on your million dollar investments. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, based on like a 50 50 portfolio, he determined. Um, and, but he used three and a half percent inflation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you first year you take out 4%, 40,000. Second year you take out three and a half percent more than 40,000. Year three you take out three and a half percent more than you did in year two. Now, a lot of people in the early years made that mistake. They thought it was always 4% per year. No, you add inflation to that. Right. You just do 4%, you just use for the first year. By the way, because you're spending the last hour on the last day, what's your withdrawal in that 30th year? A hundred percent, because you're you're wiping. So you're here, you're wiping it out, but you're adding that three percent for inflation. And his and his point was, yeah, five percent rate of return, thirty years, three and a half percent inflation, and no matter what you start with, a million or a million two hundred seventy thousand or whatever, the money would last that thirty year period. So we could, but let's say you don't no longer believe in Benjamin's three and a half percent inflation. Um, so let's play around. So you can, so you can dial that up and down, right? Right. Um, so let's just say you wanted to use 4% inflation. Okay. Okay. So if you used 4% inflation, okay, it's no longer the 4% rule. It becomes the 3.81% rule. So you couldn't start with a $40,000 withdrawal. You could only start with a $38,000 withdrawal. Okay. Think you'd be able to do that? Mm -hmm. I think most people would say, I can live with that. What if we ratcheted it up to 5%? Hmm. Okay. So if we ratchet up, so now we're saying that our investments aren't even beating the inflation rate. That's going to be a big problem, right, Carrie? Right. Well, if you do the 5%, your 4% rule becomes 3.33%. Okay. So 33,000 instead of 40,000. Can you still do the Hawaii trips? Hmm. I don't know. Depends. It depends. But there's a lot of people that think inflation is going to be much higher than that. So if you're in that camp, okay, and you think that, we're going to have, let's say, like, what do we, you know, a lot of people right now, you know, we're thinking inflation was going to be 7%. Right. Okay. Um, so if you think that, or it's also the people that don't believe in the in the numbers that are told us. They always, you know, there's a big internet conspiracy out there that inflation is really higher than the CPI readings. Okay. All right. Um, so let's use 7%. So let's say you wanted, just on the back of the envelope, just figure out, I want to redo my 4% rule based on 7% inflation. Okay. All right. Now your 4% rule becomes 2.5%. Okay. 
that's going to be a bit different of a lifestyle. That might affect a little bit of your spending. They go from 40000 to $25,000. Mm-hmm. But Carrie, you know, some people actually think it's literally they think there's going to be double digit inflation forever. Forever? I, you know, I, well, remember how we had low interest fixed rates. They weren't forever. It might have been a long time, but it certainly wasn't forever. Um, so what if you use 10% inflation forever? Now, what does your 4% rule become? 1.47%. I was going to say two. Okay. So obviously that plan is going to be completely different. Right. Than your 4% rule, right? And, and that if you know, so if you believe that, you have then now have got to say, well, you, you can't go from plan, uh, assumed you were going to be able to pull out $40,000 a year from investments as opposed to 14600 So what are your other solutions, Carrie? A higher growth rate? Spend more, more less? Risk. Take out less? That's or, harder. Go back to work. Right. Earn. Work find longer. another way to. And so, you know, so, yeah. now, so what are we doing or what do most of our estate planning clients are doing? So we agree that inflation, this non-transitory inflation is more stickier than what they first told us. Right. All right. So we, so let's say, let's, so, but it, we also don't believe or maybe I should say we do have faith that the Federal Reserve will stamp down inflation. Right. How much pain they will cause? That's you know mm-hmm. the question. And could we have a recession? Absolutely. Um, but the so it's it's the idea of saying, well, what if we use seven percent inflation this year, then five percent inflation, then four percent inflation, then three and a half percent inflation ongoing. That might be more realistic. Okay. Um, what now, Mark, is my new 4% rule? So once again, we're going to use 7% inflation this year, 5% inflation next year, 4% inflation the following year, then 35 back to Benjamin's 35 ongoing. Okay, doing the math, it's going to come out 3.88%. Which isn't that far from the 4 No. Um, and, and you could, so that's kind of what we try to get clients to understand. Yeah, you, you can, it's certainly, it is lower. I mean, it's not 40,000, it's 38,000. Um, but it's, it's, but also because we're, it, it's a higher amount ongoing, you know, forever, but it's still under that same plan. The money would still last 30 years. So the idea is you can make the adjustments now. So you're still on track. And by the way, that's what you're really supposed to do with your financial planning. Remember when Benjamin in 94 was doing this, there were no financial models. There, right. there, there, nobody was, he was, you know, he, nobody was saying that could, could run these detailed financial plans. The software wasn't built yet. Right. I mean, yeah, we had. So this ex- was a math formula to give people an idea yeah. if their spending was going to create a shortfall in the future, or just to give people an idea. And ideally, you could restrike the four percent rule every year because you know, we're, and that's what we do for clients. Basically, um, you know, it's just it's just the idea in the beginning. If you just want to know if you're in the ballpark 
of being able to retire now and what type of lifestyle. Now, also, besides the percentage withdrawal from your investments, you got to add in any other retirement income, right? whether that be a pension or Social Security. Social Security. Or if you have an annuity, you're going to turn on one of the guaranteed income, you know, you know annuit- annuitization or something like that. So that's about it. But this is a way you can quickly identify, hey, am I still in the ballpark even if we have higher inflation for a longer period of time? Or if you want to really go worst case and say, Mark, I, I, I think the Fed's They'll never get it back to where they want it to be. I don't believe the the, the CPI readings. I think it's much higher. To you know, I'll, we'll run at whatever inflation rate you want. It's it's a custom. I mean, it's what's going to give you peace of mind. And I think it gives people when you said in the ballpark. It reminded me where people are keep working because they're going to work till sixty five because of you know they can go on Medicare or they honestly they're worried about a recession, so they're not going to. Re- they're saying I'm not going to retire retire because of a potential recession, and they hate their job i mean and but what if you're working and you're gonna be okay but you don't have a financial model to know i mean it makes us feel really good when we can tell someone you know what you can leave you're not gonna even if we build in very conservative and realistic assumptions even a worst case scenario to give people the clarity of what is possible and they can do those things and if not they can't retire now we can at least tell them when is a realistic retirement date or how much they would have to cut discretionary spending for some people though it'll be worth leaving a job to cut discretionary spending to um keep working or to be able to leave and other people say no um i i'll keep working and because i, I want to do that spending or what if i know we've talked on the show a lot about the encore career what if you don't have to work at your job and you could work part-time these models can tell you how much you would have to earn over what time frame to still accomplish your long-term goals and address your worries and concerns and then also how to create the income tax efficiently um because if you can minimize what the government gets which i'm all for um that's even better and puts more money in your pocket or charity or your heirs or whatever um just not the government they take enough already and they're not responsible with it but if you want to schedule a free no obligation no pressure consultation by phone or in person our number is 440-239-2090 that's 440 440- 239-2090 or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right, listen to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build these custom financial plans for over 36 years. And over that time period, we, we Carrie, we've talked a lot about to clients about your calculate your personal inflation rate. Isn't that more powerful? And and you know, and and put in the steps. And also, when we be when we build a detailed financial model, we use varying inflation rates mm-hmm. because in the real world, not all your expenses go up with the same rate of inflation. You may have a fixed mortgage that's not going up at all. Right. You may have expenses that have no inflation, like a life insurance premium or something. You know, maybe you have to use a higher inflation for typically things like health insurance premiums or if you're saving for college educations. Um, you know, so that really gets, and that's the detail that gets you more reality that you start believing in your plan. Um, 
But and and you know the four percent rule is just saying again. I said one of the solutions if you are rerunning the four percent rule and assuming a higher rate of inflation, and now your your nest egg isn't lasting thirty years anymore, then that means you might not be able to retire. So, Carrie, what is the retirement age that Americans believe these days? Uh, I'd say sixty-eight. Well. It's funny because it depends on which generation you ask. Okay. I'm going to just say, well. All right. Okay. So this is a study. So for Gen Zers. Okay. Okay. Carrie, that's your kids, right? Okay. Um, Probably my, well, probably my oldest is 24. Is that? That's Gen Z. Okay. Well, he wants to retire early. Like all the other Gen Zers. (laughs) Right. So for for Gen Zers, the age is 60. Oh, okay. I was thinking like okay. mid fifties, late fifties. Now let's go to the malicious millennials. You know the big ones. Okay, there is age sixty three. Okay. Let's now go to X Gen, Carrie. You're okay. next gen. Age sixty five. Okay, I was going to say seventy. Now let's go to the baby <laughs> boomers. Age seventy one. Okay. Does, does anybody see a pattern here? Right. Because the closer, I think probably the younger people see it so far out, they're just guessing because they don't know. And when you get closer, you realize you can't do it. <laughs> right. That's why a lot of baby boomers saying, Mark, I can never retire. And But that's, maybe you can. I think that's the problem. People do I have are to just, pull out the rule of 61, Carrie, again? Remember? Oh, at some point, yeah. Okay, maybe go, next week, Mark. Okay, Carrie, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Yeah. No, but I think that... People don't know or they'll say they feel like they have to or people don't feel like they have enough or they feel like they're not going to be okay. But they a lot of times when people at least initially come in or they know their investments or even if they go to the point where there's a X amount chance that percentage that they're going to be okay. But that could also mean are you know, are you could you spend more? Do you know in the different categories based on once your mandatory is taken? I think there's a lot of people that don't have the clarity. And once you have clarity in a process and can see it, whether you see what your current thinking is and we run that plan we call plan A and then we run maybe a worst case scenario or, you know, with realistic retirement dates or if you're in retirement spending and combine that with planning strategies to create tax efficient income. In some cases, either people aren't going to run out of money and you give peace of mind, or there's a lot more they can spend that they didn't know about, which is good, or they don't have to worry about if there's higher inflation for longer. And they're sitting there worried about it that they don't have to be because they don't know. And I think, yeah, millennial, like obviously like our kids, like I've been bugging my 20, if you want to retire at this age, and this is what you need to do. I've tried, I know you've talked about the 50, 30, 20, I'm constantly talking about like watchers, discretionary spending, right? you know, because if you want to get that, I mean, that's a great goal, but you're going to have to work for it. It's not going to come. You have to have the discipline and awareness. But the earlier you start, the easier it becomes. Right. Um, and, and Carrie, yeah, you're, you're mentioning, I'm, I'm going to talk today about the the National Retirement Risk Index. And it's kind of okay. what you were just kind of referring to about people's conceptions or when they when they answer a survey question about their retirement preparedness how are they right or wrong you know based on somebody who's actually running their financial model right um but before that um so one of the one of the the wealth gaps and again this is why we don't talk about averages to our clients cuz it it's just 
Okay, so what? The yeah. average person, but like, or statistically this happens. Well, if I'm not the one that happens, or if I'm the one that happens, it's a very different scenario. Right, and and so the idea of, of, of sharpening your own elbows and working on your own plan, you don't have to be asking your neighbor what their plan is. Or your coworker, but does that, is that really relevant always? Like, so what? My co? Well, I did this because my coworker. Well, mm. you know what? Your coworker might have completely other background information that he's not willing to share with you. He's just telling you what he made on maybe a retirement election, but you don't have all the other pieces and parts. So, so the, because one of the gaps <laughs> that indicate the wealth gap is that. The same report that was saying, you know, that when people think they're going to retire, and obviously the younger you are, the younger you think you can retire. And then as right. you get older, you realize that was a complete dream. Right. Uh, not reality. Um, you know, so the, um, so they talk about the average adults have saved for retirement. Mm, this is sad. I mean, well, reality. I think, is this the wealth gap thing you were talking about? Well, it's just, again, it's just that average is why right. does it mean anything? Because it takes account of people who save nothing and people who've actually and saved. When so you, you have, have a lot of zeros in there. you have $350 million in the country, it's a big, you know, and they, they, they interview or they survey 2,000, <laughs> you know. But anyways, the average, 89300 save for retirement. Okay. Well, if you're... 60 years old and have 89,000 in assets, I don't know if you can retire. Right. But but if, if you have a good pension, right? Maybe you can. Maybe, maybe you that's can. a like doesn't matter. How much discretionary spending are you doing? If you've always lived below your means and you can do that, I guess you can. That's that's why you don't go with the averages. Um and if and so let's talk before oh, I got to get to that study, but let me first, you know, we talked about recession, so so who, let's not – who are some other people thinking? Okay, this is why there's a lot of people think, you know, it's a no-show recession. So Yardini, Yardini Research, you know, Ed Yardini, he's a big guy here. I okay. talk about all the time. Uh, Yardini, I always pronounce his name. Yardini. Yardini. Um, so their research concludes there was little evidence that the U.S. is headed toward a recession. Huh, interesting. Okay. Um, we believe we've been in a rolling recession. Remember, that's that big controversy. Mm-hmm. Were we really in a recession in 2022? Right. Well, because we had technically two negative GDP, GDP quarters, so But I don't think the National Bureau of whoever did, you know decides recessions are not going to call it 2022 a recession. But same people call it kind of like a rolling recession. It got kind of bad. It got kind of better. It's going to get kind of bad again, but nothing like 2008, the Great Recession, or mm-hmm. even um, the, the 2002. Um, all right. Um, and they also, uh, you know, because of these rolling recessions, it makes a wide, deep recession unlikely. Okay. Um, also, they're saying the job openings are still out there. You know, mm-hmm. there's still what close to 1.8, 1.9 jobs for everyone who's looking for one. Um, okay. And, and they're also looking at the, the bull market run here. I mean, I, I mentioned that earlier in the show. You know, from the October low, the S&P 500 is up over 20%, a bull run. Who would have thought? Year-to-date, it's up 14%. Year-to-date, the NASDAQ is up 30%, Kerry. Um, now, is that going to keep everything going? How about Janet Yellen? Okay, so she's kind of been wishy-washy. And again, I like Janet Yellen 
more when she was independent Fed chair than I do when she's working under the Biden administration having to toe the line. Okay. Um, but that's what Treasury secretaries do. Right. Because if you don't toe the line to the president, guess what? You're no longer Treasury secretary. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, that get with the program. All right. Um, so she's got, so she's said a couple of things. Uh, you know, this is in the last week or so. She's, you know, one, she said um, recently, as Fed continues to tighten <laughs> policy, recession remains a risk. And, and that's back to the idea where the Fed, with their with their hawkish uh, pause, you know, the, you know, awkward, um, you know, because they're saying, well, we're not raising in June, but we probably will raise 50 basis points before the end of the year. Okay. Uh, uh, but then more recently, she said she sees a diminishing risk for the U.S. to fall into recession. Hmm. Okay. But there's also, um, you know, Cassandra's out there. So Campbell Harvey and, and Kerry, he's, he's, he was the one who pioneered the idea that the inverted yield curve is a recession indicator. Okay. You know, when he says that, you know, when the three-month Treasury bills, it ri- the rate rises above the 10-year Treasury, boom, a recession's coming. Okay. And that's that's been very accurate. Right. Um and, it's different this time. <laughs> uh, he's saying it's not different this time. Um, the, uh, the and you know he's so he's still saying that we still have that. Um, it's kind of like a self fulfilling prophecy um, as a recessionary signal. Uh, he also says that the the a second idea that when the Fed is screwing around that way and you have inverted yield curves and they're trying to revert it back, that sometimes leads to banking problems. Do you have any right. banking problems? Uh, you know, a little bit. A little bit um, with some of the, the largest bank failures in this country ever had. Um, so um, and so he's so he's one that still says, yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to avoid uh, a hard landing. Um, so, so there you go. So real quickly, three steps we talk about if you want to protect your family from the next economic downturn, you know, recession, whatever. One, maintain an adequate cash reserve. Mm-hmm. And especially one of the things we're worried about in recessions is that people lose their jobs. Right. Now, you know, if you may say you may think your job is 100% safe, great. Um, but, but there are layoffs going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can talk about that. Rebalance. Don't take on more risk than what you need to be okay. You know, the 60-40 died last year. It resurrected this year, right? 60-40 is doing fine this year. As a matter of fact, we've been talking about this show, and if you can call, call some more information on that, you you know, you st- that, that risk-free uh, you, you know, fixed rates right, right. now. Right. Or, or they you haven't know, been CDs, that way in a money year. Money markets. You know, the, the multi-year the guarantees annuities. Yeah. Right. So if you're if your fixed side of your sixty forty or your fifty fifty portfolio can be doing four or five percent, your equities don't have to work too hard to to wind up with the five percent you're running your financial model on. Um, and the third step would be build a plan R. If you really are saying, Mark, I think inflation is going to be higher. I think we are going to have recession. Well, why don't we build a model and we can prove that out or at least say, let's do it on paper and say, okay, now, because again, if we do have a recession in the next, you know, 18 months, 12 months, 18 months, it doesn't necessarily mean that you run out of money today. It just means that in a weird way, the longevity of your plans affected, right? And so that's what we're trying to model. And it's hard to do that math in your head, mm-hmm. especially when you add in a complicated tax code. So the, the idea is saying, yeah, I just want to know, even if we have this, I, my, my plan A didn't model this higher inflation or it didn't have 
of, of economic downturn built in. If we do that, am I still going to be okay? Right. And, and that's the Monte Carlo analysis doesn't really get there. Um, all right. Um, so I mentioned that National Retirement Risk Index, Carrie, and this is uh, the Centers for Research, uh, Retirement Research at Boston College, and it it it's it's it all it also ties in to uh, you know the idea of remember it was it was in 2010 when Pew Research shocked the world when they dropped a bomb that 10,000 baby boomers a day were going to be turning 65. Mm -hmm. And that was going to last for 19 straight years. Right. Okay. A a staggering number. Um, Well, next year, 2024, will be the 14th of those 19 years. And that's when they say it's going to reach peak 65. Meaning that next year, 12,000 a day will be turning 65. Okay. That's 4,380,000. Right. Um, now, that doesn't mean that everyone turning 65 is retiring. Correct. All right. Um, but we had the great resignation, right? And a lot of people didn't go back to work. Right. Um, and a lot of people, and they and they're still have this, you know, labor market. So, um, so, but what this study, this retirement preparedness study, or it's, it's called the National Retirement Risk Index, um, what they concluded that for those planning to retire at 65, they say about half are at risk of being able to maintain their standard of living. That's a lot. You think. All right. Um, and, and it goes and it it crosses income levels. Okay. okay. So they looked at low income, mid income, and high income. Okay. All right. Um, and so the risk can go two ways, Carrie. And we've talked to this about, you were mentioning this kind of earlier. Part of the planning process at the state planning team is we let clients know they can still take those Hawaii trips, even if there's an economic downturn. Right. Okay. It's the possibilities. You can still remodel. You can still do these things. Because that's what the greatest generation didn't do. The, the Depression kids, they grew up their whole lives thinking the next Depression was going to happen when, Carrie? Next year. And those clients didn't spend money. They gave, I mean, they gifted to their kids before Never, they would go on that right. trip. And they accumulated quite a bit of wealth. Yep. They also had great pensions. Cost of living increases. They didn't they, have the health and care increase. That no. We were, uh, and they died with a lot of money that they could have spent in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Right? So you can look at the risk from both sides. One, um, households that are not worried enough about their retirement income may not save enough, even if they have the opportunity, meaning that while they're working, they're not doing the 50-30-20 plan, Gary, right? Right. Or two, households that are too worried may unnecessarily sacrifice their pre-retirement standard of living. Hmm. Okay? Meaning that they could have done some travel, or they could have remodeled their house, or they could have maybe retired in a year earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, so that's, what the, that's what you want your financial model to be helping you, putting you in decision-making mode. Um, so the... So here, so let's see if I have time to do this. Um, and I may come back with this next week as well. But so the study says 
Based on the Federal Reserve Survey of Consumer Finances, a triennial survey of nationally representative sample of U.S. households, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, the index calculates for each household a replacement rate, pro- projected retirement income as a percentage of pre-retirement earnings. That's kind of like the old 80% rule, right? right? You know, kind of saying you need 80% of your final pay to, in, in retirement. Okay. So what they do is – what they, what they basically do is they ask the survey, they ask the people what they're thinking – and then in the background, they're running real models like we right. do for our clients. And they try to see the gap difference mm-hmm. between reality, what the model's showing, and what the person's thinking. Right. And those who fail to come within 10% of the target are defined at risk. Okay. All right. Um, so and given the, a little wiggle room. And then the index reports a percentage of all households at risk. So based on that, so you can see like the last time they did it was 2019. And so they're saying that 47.1% are at risk because what they thought they, they could, you know, what, how much income they needed was more than 10% out of what they really needed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that peaked out in the Great Recession where it was just over 50%. And then going back to 2004, it was about 41%. So, but it also goes across income levels. So, you know, so when they ask people, they said, do you think you're at risk and, or do you think you're going to be okay? Um, the, the, the tables broke down that the low, middle, and high income. So on the low incomers, Carrie, right, 50, 50% reported that they're at risk. Okay. The study said that 56% are at risk. Okay. But when you look at the middle, 33% said they were at risk. The study said actually 45% were at risk. So there's a disconnect. When you look at the high level income, only 17% thought they were at risk. And the study said, no, actually 41% of you are at risk. So there's a big, so the higher income people don't have have less of a picture of reality, I guess, which is interesting. We'll talk more about this. Get us out of here. All right. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525.